Welcome to the Crossroads podcast, where this week we will be exploring the Danny Aiello pizza cinematic universe. We will be discussing a film from 30 years ago that's so relevant it feels like it came out last week, and a movie from last year that is so weird and dated it feels like it came out 30 years ago. We'll be discussing Do the Right Thing, a Spike Lee joint from 1989, and Little Italy, a Canadian film from last year. All right, so... uh, do you want to start with which one do you want to start with, Rob? I don't know. I I feel like we'll have more fun talking about Little Italy. Yeah. But do the right thing is so relevant. Is so I think we should start with that because okay. then we can once we get into the seriousness, we can kind of let off some steam talking about the, okay. the absolute train wreck that is Little Italy. Sounds good to me. So do the right thing was directed by Spike Lee back in nineteen eighty nine. And as Ryan said, it, it kind of feels like it came out last year. It's yeah. so very relevant. It touches on a lot of issues dealing with racism and gentrification and police brutality. And if any of you are Spike Lee fans, you should know this is not a touchy subject for him. He explores yeah. it more often than not. Yes. This was his first like real film where he really got into that. This was his third movie. Uh, his first two were much more comedies like they still had some drama to them but they were much more comedies and he was kind of getting a reputation for being quote the black woody allen and then this came out and just blew that whole thing apart and since then he's been he's been a first-rate spike lee instead of a second-rate woody allen yeah he has his own style and oh yeah you can really see it start trying to take its own shape in this movie absolutely he had much more control over this one uh I think what I think was brilliant is that he took over a city block and they built the set of the pizzeria in an existing location. So you get the best of both worlds, a set in an on-location place, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, it looked like a real pizza place. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not surprised to, to hear that it was in a real building because the yeah. outside streets looked real. Yeah, it's it, it's this bustling little neighborhood. It's only, They only really shot in like one city block, but it feels like it's seven or eight. It's this huge little area and it's... There's always yeah. people on the streets. It feels like it's alive. Yeah. The set design and the, the casting, the extra control, everything in the background just feels like an actual New York City suburb. Yeah. It takes place over the course of the hottest day of the summer, but it feels like that's kind of like a compressed timeline where it really refers to the entire summer, but it's all just pushed into one day for dramatic purposes. And I think that really gets you in the mindset. The one day setting definitely helps for story purposes and it makes the tension rise much quicker Mm because you know it's one day and the sun starts to set throughout the movie and you notice it and the characters start getting sweatier and sweatier and it it makes it makes it feel like you're watching a day in the life absolutely it's that weird thing where even though the day's been hot the night is somehow even hotter even though the sun's gone down so the tensions are still really high you've got and we should really uh, pause to talk about the cast of this movie this is a mixture of people who would never really act before. Um, Rosie Perez is her first job. You have Martin Lawrence in a, in a smaller role. Jean- Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson, who's like the narrator. You have um, Giancarlo Esposito, who's probably best known from Breaking Bad. Spike Lee himself is acting in it. Uh, you have Ossie Davis and um, his wife, Renz. I can't think of her name. Uh, she plays his sort of his love interest, mother-sister. Ruby D. Ruby D. yeah. She's... They have the best chemistry because they were actually married in real life, but they have fantastic chemistry, and it's great to see like an older couple in this. And then obviously Danny Aiello and his two sons, one of whom is played by John Turturro, 
And it's weird seeing him young because he looks like he's been the same age for like 20 years. Yeah, he popped up on screen and I recognized him immediately. Yeah. But it, it's nice having such a diverse cast of like, because you have like little kids running around the street. You got middle age adults, teenagers, and grown people. Yeah. And it just feels like a very lived in world. Yes. And throughout the day, you see these people go about their day. Like you're literally just watch, people watching on mm-hmm. the street. You could set up outside your window and just watch these people live their lives. And that would feel like this movie. Yeah. It's, it's a really clever mix of comedy. And that's it movie gets on it gets a little bit less comedic a little bit darker and that continues on up until the end which is pretty explosive yeah um this was my first time watching it and i kind of expected a comedy just based on some reviews and through the grapevine that i've heard and during that last half hour the tensions really start Mm -hmm. to rise and i wasn't really expecting it but i should have because it's a spike lee We'll, we'll get into that in a minute, yes. but I do want to just discuss, like, this movie is, I think, very influential. It's been, it, it's always been pretty high up on the list of important films, but I think a lot of that whole, like, indie day in the life thing really wouldn't exist without this movie. Even though a lot of them aren't as poignant, I think it's, it's really a trendsetter. Yeah, if you look at a lot of the movies in the indie scene mm-hmm. after this movie and up till now, a lot of it really does feel like day in the lives and a lot of them don't have the same tension building as this a lot of them are just like literally a day in the life nothing happens they don't really have anything to say clerks feels like that slackers Mm -hmm. you know a lot of uh a lot of the films like link later type movies feel like that it's a it's a very influential film and it this is really i think what put spike lee on the map Mm -hmm. and especially back in 89 it it's topical now and it was just as topical back then oh yeah Danny Aiello, who is who's Sal in this movie, he's he's not really a bad guy, but you do start to get a little more irritated with him. There's... He's like a typical middle-aged white dude. Yeah, and he owns a pizza place in in this black neighborhood in Brooklyn, I believe. Yeah, and you know he he doesn't really fit in. He has the Wall of Fame, which is just a bunch of famous white people. Yeah, and the tensions start to rise when some of the the neighborhood residents want pictures of black people on the wall and honestly they're in the right he's in a he's in one of their neighborhood one of the black people the he's in one of the black neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and he's not really representing yeah and i think there's i think spike lee is making a little bit of a joke there by having the person who makes that argument be giancarlo esposito because as you can tell by the name he is very italian he doesn't look italian because he's uh he's also half uh half African, not really American because he was born in Denmark, but regardless, <laughs> I think that's kind of the joke. Like, it's kind of a dumb argument to be made. Like, you're, you're right, but you're also not right. Yeah. And that's just my personal opinion because it, of all the things that go on from that, it's kind of a silly thing to be arguing. At least not, maybe because it's the hottest day at the summer, everyone's just frustrated. But And that's the start of yeah. the tension. That, that's kind of the segue into the real issue. Yes, there's so much more going on. Like, um, we haven't even gotten to Radio Rahim, who's like a huge, uh, a huge presence in the film. If he doesn't really do a whole lot throughout most of the film until the end, um, he has this great moment where he basically paraphrases the, the the speech from Night of the Hunter about the left and the right hand and good and evil and all that stuff, but in a more modern vernacular. And that's very cool. He was probably my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, he's just pops in and out he's just playing his public enemy song all day he's just doing his thing yep and i love how 
he's shot to look enormous. He's not really any bigger than Sal, but he's shot to look 90 feet tall, and he fills the frame, and it's very, very cool. Yeah, every time they show him, it's a close-up, a low angle. Mm-hmm. He looks like like Frankenstein's monster almost. Like he's not yeah. not a ugly guy. He's a you know good looking dude, but he's just he looks gigantic. Yeah, just the way they frame him is he's the frame. Yeah, there's nothing behind it's, him. There's nothing to the sides of him. The whole frame's just him. His voice is pretty low, and he just he doesn't really want to get in anyone get in anyone's way. He doesn't really want to cause trouble. He just wants to listen to his music. As the movie goes on, it gets a little gets a little worse. The mayor, the the quote unquote mayor, you know, he saves a young boy from getting hit by a car. I think an ice cream truck. I think um, it's just a car. Yeah, because oh, he's running to chase the ice cream truck. Yeah. And yeah, there's and then there's that whole bit with the, you know, the, the white dude who comes through and he, you know, he's lived there his whole life and he's gentrifying and it gets on and on and the police start coming around, and the police are shown almost like a force of nature as opposed to actual people, which I think is a really good way of, especially right now, a really good way of filming them. Mm-hmm. And uh, should we talk about the ending? Yeah, it's 30 years 30 old. Years old. Um, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it and are interested. Yeah, it's definitely worth worth seeing. Uh, the police come in. Um, by the end of the day, Sal completely just fucking loses it and destroys Radio Rahim's boombox. And the police uh, attack him and kill him, kill Radio Rahim. Unarmed black man, they just basically strangle him. And yeah. it's very powerful and that's the moment when there's no more comedy in this film from then on it's it's a straight it's straight drama and it's uh mookie who's the character who's played by spike lee picks up a garbage can throws it through the window of the pizzeria that he works at and the uh, the crowd who's assembled just destroy the pizzeria it's they've all had enough yeah it's a really interesting thing that's that's done because I think it it's intentionally makes you feel worse about the pizzeria than you do about this person who just got killed and then you're like oh shit why do I feel this way mm-hmm. he's not telling you what to think he's telling you we're not telling you how to think he's just telling trying to get you to think mm-hmm. if you've seen it you know like it, it says all it needs to say mm-hmm. in that last 15 minutes yeah there's a bit of a coda but that's the real end of the film mm-hmm. and it's all the stuff we've been seeing, all movie have led has led to that moment, and it's it's a slow build mm. that doesn't stop. No, and the ending is catastrophic. Yeah, and there's a bunch of times throughout the movie that one person or another could have just diffused all the tension, and there wouldn't have been a problem, but no one did. And it's it's uh, it's great. I mean, there's subplots we haven't talked about. There's a whole bit about you know, there's this older couple who are getting together. There's a bunch there's like a bunch of old men in the street corner who just comment on everything yeah the, the subplots they're good on their own and when they do come together they really shine yeah but i think for purposes of this we don't really have time to discuss yeah. every single subplot yeah the movie is very very good i highly recommend it it's very character driven uh, it's very topical yes and it's just a very well-made piece of media yeah it was uh, very much overlooked at the 1990 Oscars. It got, I think, a nomination for Best Original Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for Danny Aiello, and that was it, even though I think it was the best film of that year. I think they were scared to... Uh, yes. Yeah. 
Uh, Kim Basinger, who announced the category, went off script and said it should have been among the nominations. And it was it was kind of a minor scandal at the time. Hmm. Uh, I, I do a bunch of research for these episodes. Yeah. I look into the, these kinds of things, and it's yeah, it's um, it's such a great, powerful, and important movie that you know it's still a little bit of a raw film because Spike Lee's still kind of finding his voice a little bit. But but I think yeah. that adds to oh, it. absolutely, it, it feels more natural at that point. Yeah. And the camera's doing some really cool stuff. There's a lot of really interesting uses of color. There's almost no blues or greens in the film at all. And all the colors are very saturated. Everything oh, yeah. sticks out. And Ryan was telling me before the show, which I didn't know, they lit candles under the camera to give it that heat wavy look. Yeah. And that's just very interesting. To yeah, me. it's really like back then they didn't have After Effects to do yeah. that. You had to think of ways to do it yourself. Yeah, it's re- like the the film is worth alone just for the cinematography. It's fantastic. I think Ernest Dickerson, I think is the Sounds familiar. name of the of the cinematographer, and he's he he's worked with Spike Lee a bunch, mm-hmm. and they speak the same language, and they get. Did he shoot the Five Bloods? I don't know. I think he's moved on. To, he's moved on to doing a lot more like TV directing. Okay. He's worked on like a lot of HBO shows. He worked on Walking Dead. I think that's kind of where he is now, unfortunately. Which is, that's what he wants to do. Good for him, but he's got a really good eye for cinematography. So after discussing that. Would you watch a Do the Right Thing too? Yes. Um, I would like to... I mean, there's been a lot of Spike Lee films, and I think he kind of gets oversimplified in the public consciousness because a lot of the stuff, you know, it's mostly about race, but I think every one of his films works as a film but also has something to say, or most of his films do. I've only seen three, maybe four Spike Lee movies, and I've liked... Pretty much all of them, not his old boy remake. His old boy remake. We don't really is, talk about. He was a hired gun on that. They took the final edit out of his hands. It's a mess. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. But it, other than that, like I've really liked everything he's seen, and I want to just go through his filmography yeah. start to finish. He's he's really good. He's he gets the credit for. I mean, he gets referred to as basically like a, you know he tries to make a point all the time, but he's mm-hmm. a really good filmmaker. That being said. My one complaint, I don't think he's that good an actor. And he's kind of the lead role on this. We haven't talked about his character because yeah. he's not a great actor. I think he acknowledges that too. Yeah. Because he stopped acting in his own films not long after this. I didn't mind him as Mookie. He he kind of felt like the character. Yeah. It, it didn't really feel natural, but it felt like a kid working at a pizza shop. Yeah. Like, that's really all it needed to be. And then at the end, when it gets really dramatic, I thought he was kind of overacting. Yeah, but he's a much better writer or director than he is an actor. And For I think sure. even he acknowledges that. Yeah. He, he stopped acting in his films not long after that. And he's only ever played himself in things since. But he's a, he's a great director. He's a good writer. You know, powerful voice. Would you, uh, would you watch a sequel? If he wrote and directed it, absolutely. Yeah. If anybody else did, no way. No, I don't no. think anyone else. I don't think even Jordan Peele could find his voice. No. He's got a very different voice. So. Yeah, Spike Lee's filmmaking style, especially now, is just so different from everybody else. I love the way he intercuts dialogue with actual footage or actual photographs of actual events. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about him. Yeah, because he, he did a lot of documentaries, too. He's, I think he's made, like, ten documentary films, and that he kind of picked that up, I think, from that sort of a thing. He even made a documentary about making of uh, Do the Right Thing, which is hmm. pretty cool. He and, um, and Danny Aiello, I don't think they ever made another film again, but they remained lifelong friends for the rest of Al's life. In fact, he gave the eulogy to 
Danielle's oh, wow. funeral earlier this year. Uh, it's a, it's definitely um, John Turturro went up and was standing there, but I think just for emotional support. I don't think he actually mm -hmm. said anything, but it was a, it was a very cool, oh, very powerful that. moment. Uh, the, yeah, they they remained very good friends. That's awesome. Let's move on. Yeah. To a little lighthearted <laughs> movie. Now that we talked about some pretty heavy <laughs> stuff, let's talk about an absolute train wreck. This movie is. Yeah, info here. this uh, this movie came out last year, which I think is insane because it feels like it came out in like the early 80s. Uh, 2018, two years ago. So the next movie is Little Italy from 2018, directed by Donald Petrie. Yes. Never heard of him. He directed Mystic Pizza as well, oh. which I think is kind of funny. Okay. But this stars Emma Roberts and Hayden Christensen, yes. my two favorite Italian actors. And, <laughs> and to be fair, Daniello is in this as well. Yeah. But he has a much smaller, more lighthearted role. It's basically Romeo and Juliet with pizza. Yes. The Emma Roberts and Hayden Christensen play the children of two rival pizza shops who are yes. in love. And they have to get over their family squabble. Yes. Um, it takes place in Little Italy, Toronto, which yes. does not exist. <laughs> and uh, the yeah, rest is a pretty generic rom-com. Yes, generic, but like inexplicably bad in places. It felt like it was written by someone who's not Italian, but watched a lot of The Sopranos. Yes. It, there is, like a couple, a couple weeks ago, I was talking about... Uh, Sleepaway Camp and call that movie Banana Pants, but this movie is like Banana Pants and Suit. Like, because <laughs> that movie was made by amateurs and still kind of felt sort of like a movie. This was made by professionals. I'm not sure it feels like a movie. Yeah, the movie has a budget. You can tell by watching it, the budget wasn't small. It was a decent budget. It's yeah. got a decent cast. It's got a good sets. Yeah. It's just the dialogue is awful. <laughs> the dialogue the is acting is pretty bad and these are from the the main cast has been in plenty of movies yeah. before and like it, it feels like a made for tv it lifetime does movie. It, it really does hayden christensen looks unwell in this movie he looks like he's like been moistened somehow <laughs> he looks like he's about 35 playing a 20 year old yes and like he's just heavy makeup sweaty Everyone in this movie is sweating. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's just like, oh, it's hard to talk about. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it for, if you have Prime, it's free to watch it. Just, you know, get get some pizza, get some beer, and just like turn your brain off for this absolute train wreck of a movie. I honestly didn't hate it, but that could be because I watched it with a friend. If I yes. was watching it alone, I don't think I would have yeah, finished it. I watched it with a friend of mine as well, and uh, we were just like just laughing at how insane the movie is the narrate there's narration but it's two characters talking the entire time it's like they're bickering while trying to tell the story yeah. and it opens with that yes and the whole time they're just like bickering but it's, what, what, they're trying to like be cute with it and it's just annoying are they like looking back at their like are they looking back at things when that was going on like it's so crazy I don't know. It, the first, like, ten minutes is technically a flashback to when they were kids, yeah. and they're talking over it like, ugh, see, even back then, I still beat you at soccer. But, but, like, I don't know all the rules of soccer, but I'm pretty sure if you're the goalie, you don't, 
you, like you can't score goals. You just you only you only way to score the only way to like not lose is to block the shots. Like I just, <laughs> that was insane. Well, the movie tries really hard to be cute. And but it's, it's just, just not. weird. Yeah, it's 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 weird. The dialogue is, it's lifetime movie bad. Yes. And like, just because you're talking in an Italian accent and throwing in random Italian words does not mean you're Italian. No, Hayden Christensen is not even remotely Italian. They just give him jet black hair and they make him talk like he's from the Jersey Shore. Those accents are insane. That's the hardest part to like get over is the accent. Because they talk like they're from New York City, but they're in what I'm assuming is Toronto. It, they, I don't know if they filmed in Toronto, but yeah, they say specifically they're from Toronto. They're from okay. And to my knowledge, there is no little Italy. There is apparently unless it's like, like a block. It's two blocks. It's like the tiniest little bit. It's so stupid. You think they would just use Little Italy, New York? You'd or think so. Boston, yeah, or any Anywhere. other city than Toronto. Like even in Buffalo, we have a decent Little Italy compared to. We have a street. We have a street, which more than two blocks. Yeah, we have an Italian festival every well, not this year, but most years. Yeah. It's, there's Italian festival. In, this movie is so. <laughs> there's so there's a there's a bit where one of the two rival pizzeria owners, which are next door to each other, which seems like a terrible idea. Well, they used to own. Yes. One pizza shop together. But you think that one of them would move because they're just putting themselves out of business. The fact that they're still in business 10 years later is one of the least believable things about this insane movie. But anyway, one of the two puts marijuana in their oregano, and the other one's oregano, somehow manages to accomplish That's this. That's not only a felony, but yeah. could seriously injure somebody. Well, in Canada, by that point, it was still illegal. So yes, yes. in 2019, it became legal. But um, yeah, it was... Uh, Maybe, maybe by that point, maybe it was October, but it, but when it came out, it was definitely not legal, but uh, you could have made people, and plus the, the reaction from the marijuana is not what marijuana makes you do. They look yeah, like they're on like, like club drugs. Yeah, the pizza place was literally a club filled with old ladies, <laughs> and then the cops show up after eating this marijuana pizza, Yes, and they confiscate it for evidence to inspect later. Yes. And then the one cop is like feeling up Hayden Christensen. That was really uncomfortable. Really weird. This movie has a lot of really uncomfortable like sexual harassment. Yes. And it's played off as a joke. But it's, it's not just, funny. It's not funny. No. It's yeah. It. This movie is inconsequential at best, but it's definitely there's no like, tension in this no, movie. No, there's no tension. There's there's no reason it, for it to exist. It hits all the generic rom-com cliches yes it's got the airport chase it's got the crowd of people clapping it's got the family who doesn't like the boy yes. or girl depending or girl. on what family yeah. you're looking at it's name a rom-com trope it's in this movie so there's two things i want to talk about because they're insane or three um one danny aiello and there's an older woman uh who's like this older italian from the other family and they're getting together and they go to um, to a date in Starbucks and try to be inconspicuous, but she has consumed like fifteen lattes, and she's acting drunk. Yes, she would be off the wall, or maybe in a diabetic coma. That too, <laughs> like that much caffeine would possibly hospitalize you. Her heart would probably explode. So that was weird. Yeah, this, <laughs> a lot of this doesn't make sense. It's like they switched the marijuana pizza scene with the coffee shop scene. <laughs> 
there's a bit where um where uh, emma roberts comes to visit hayden christensen and like knock on his door to go play soccer with him and then his weird like flight attendant girlfriend shows up which never comes up again no sense it's inconsequential <laughs> yes and then he has like a brick pizza oven in his apartment somehow <laughs> and that's not against fire code i guess and he he's got the garden on the roof where he which grows is, yeah he makes his own pizza <laughs> in his house there's the subplot where emma roberts is training to be a professional chef in france yes and she has to go home to fix her green card to work in france yeah. something stupid you couldn't just go to the embassy like no. <laughs> but she goes home and reconnects with her her family and her childhood friends yeah. and surprise she doesn't want to leave no she has to apparently make her own menu but in the in the movie she's making it in photoshop which is i'm i'm assuming not what jane seymour meant when she said make your menu i'm assuming she meant like come up with the, yeah, the come recipes up with dishes write them down and then maybe make a legit menu yeah because her whole story arc is she's competing with another classmate to kind of run the french end of this restaurant yeah and she's got to come up with her own menu to put this restaurant on the map and that's when she goes home and discovers that pizza is that <sighs> ingredient yeah it's it's so it's so creepy there's this whole bit that's implied that hidden christensen delivers the pizzas and then like sleeps with the people who orders the pizzas which i think is really gross because that it's the Indian dude, this really regressive, racist depiction of an Indian dude, wants to go do that, and that's not okay. This movie came out two years ago. You're, we've moved beyond that, guys. Yeah, this movie's just full of cliches and unnecessary sexual harassment. Yes, that's really yeah. what it boils it's, down to. It's the kind of movie that, that it's a little uncomfortable, but it's inconsequential. You can have a have a couple beers and like watch this train wreck of a film. It's definitely worth watching, but I think since we're doing the Danny Aiello pizza-verse, yeah. let's talk about his character. Yes. He is... Um, he's the ma the matriarch, patriarch, patriarch of one of the... of one of the, uh, the pizzerias. Sal's, right? It's, he's... Uh, no, he's not. Which would be funny if he was. Oh, oh yeah, and, and do the right thing. Yeah. He runs he, Sal's famous pizzeria. And then in this one, it's... Vince, but if he had been the, the patriarch of Sal's, like it would have been one quick rewrite. Mm -hmm. It would have been like it would have been funny. You could argue nice that, little like, callback. Yeah, you could argue that after the events do the right thing, he fled to Canada somehow and like started whatever. I don't think they were thinking that hard no. when they wrote this. No, I don't think anyone was thinking at all when they wrote this. <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah, um, so he's the father, yeah. grandfather. Yes, he's the grandfather of Vince's pizza. He came up with the sauce. Yes, the dough. But the yes, because they the have dough. he has the dough and the other one has the sauce. Yes, and together they're great, but on their own, on their it's own lacking. It's, yes. So yeah, it's uh, he falls or he's been like secretly dating the grandmother of the other family, and, and they make the sauce, which apparently just involves like squeezing tomatoes into a bowl. Yeah, squeeze the love out of it. Is that like you? You you're a cook. Is that a thing you actually do? Uh, I would just use a food processor. <laughs> So, like I thought it was just really gross. So the the one saving grace of this movie was the whole time they kept talking about the squabble between Vince and Sal. Yeah. And I kept I wanted to know what that squabble was. So spoiler alert. Oh god. They couldn't come up with a name 
of the pizza. Mm -hmm. That's it. They wanted to name it after their parents, and then they kind of decide on whose. Yeah. So for like half the movie, I thought that they were brothers, which made the whole relationship thing real, like real creepy. They squabble like brothers. They do, and it it's not inconceivable that Daniello could have been both of their fathers. No, like, they're it's, about the same age. They could have been yeah, twins. Yeah. And it just felt like they would have. It it just seemed like this was written by someone who didn't quite know how movies worked. It's poorly written, and it felt like they shot it in three days. Yes, and like yeah. with a couple sets, it's it's plausible. Yes, there's this other character, Luigi, who's <laughs> who is he, uh, he stole the show. Yes, it's honestly worth watching just for Luigi. <laughs> He is this Chinese man with a very thick Italian accent who you realize later in the film basically dread pirates dread pirate Roberts the original <laughs> Luigi just took this dude's name and like what the fuck it's it's very interesting all right the overall plot of this movie is not great and no. honestly not worth watching but the subplots aren't bad if they made the subplots the main plot it would have been much better yeah, Luigi's story could have made its own movie if it wasn't, like, just completely bullshit crazy. <laughs> he got kicked out of his house by his father for coming out as a homosexual man. Mm -hmm. Yes. So he wandered the streets and got taken in by Luigi, who owns an Italian bar. Luigi dies, and he, he takes, takes over, over Luigi. as Luigi. Yes. And then he runs this weird, like, underground boxing ring, but not really boxing. It's just the two guys who run the pizzerias would come in and sit down next to each other in the bar, which is a dumb idea. And they, they would, just, would... Like, do shots. Yes. And try and out-drink each other. Yes. Until one of them punches the other. And then, like, people made side bets on this, which made me think maybe they, were, they didn't actually hate each other because they were doing this. But no, that's insane. They just... Not, they were both too prideful to apologize. Because yes. when they finally come together at the end, it's done so, like, half-heartedly. Like, oh, yes. my pizza's still better. Oh, you wish. And then they hug it out. Yeah. And the the only thing that approaches, like, normal human behavior is the wives are still friends. And they meet at the corner of the two places. But they pull, like, fully poured glasses of wine out of their hanging Yeah, they hide them plants. in the baskets. And Which then as they're leaving, and... they're like... They're like flipping each other off and calling them names, and then they're like, "Call me." Yeah, which is like, we're just leaving glasses of wine in these planters, which is gross and weird. This whole movie is insane. So, would you watch a Little Italy too? Yes, a big, absolutely. Big Italy? I would. I would want more of this train as long as they don't do like what a lot of these terrible movies do where they lean into how bad they are in the second one, no. which makes it not fun. It's got to be natural. Yeah. So Sharknado did that. Princess Prince or Prince, the Christmas Prince, like Christmas Prince is yeah. awful. But the second one is somehow not as bad because they realize it's terrible and try to make it bad on purpose, which just makes it pathetic. Isn't there a third one? Too? Yes. Yeah. That one's not very good at all. But if this, if they made a second Little Italy and just did not lean into how bad it is, but just intentionally tried with that same earnest terribleness, absolutely, I'd watch another one. I agree with you. I as bad as this movie is, it's definitely worth checking out. Cause it's insane. It's it's very fun. All right, fun's not the word. It it's enjoyable to watch with a crowd. Yes, it's it's a it's a movie that you would 
have some pizza, have a couple beers. I did crave pizza afterwards <laughs> and ordered an extra large. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's one thing we didn't talk about in the little or in um do the right thing is that so for some reason the extra cheese costs more than the pizza itself. Because he's just cheap. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he even says. He's like, "Oh, you cheap bastard." Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So. These movies wouldn't make a wouldn't make a particularly great double feature, but I recommend them for very different reasons. Yeah, we we figured we'd pair something as serious as Do the Right Thing, which has pizza as a subplot, with yeah. something as fun and hokey that has pizza as a main plot. Yes, as Little Italy. Yeah, so it just worked out that Danny Aiello was in yeah, both of them. We're really here. To, we're really here to talk about Do the Right Thing, but yeah. I really wanted to pair that with. Um, in the Heights, but In the Heights still has not come it's out yet. Out, yeah. So We can revisit. Yeah. Uh, I think I've said all I have yeah. to say. Um, both movies are definitely worth watching for very different reasons. Yeah. Seek them out. Enjoy yeah. them. Yeah. Have some pizza and, you know, have a good conversation about either a great movie or a terrible one. <laughs> so, for next week, we were kind of thinking of doing Jaws and Jurassic Park. Yeah. If uh, you're okay with that. Yeah. That sounds like a good time. we'll do a, it's too soon to open the economy special. Yes. Too soon to open and it's a bit of a, bit of a creature feature. I'm always in the mood for a good creature feature. I need an excuse to rewatch Jaws. Yeah. Jaws is a, it's a, it's a good time. I haven't seen it in in a couple of years. I haven't watched it in like 10 years. Yeah. Jurassic Park is always great. Jurassic Park is always worth revisiting. So so. that'll be a totally cool with that. So join us next week for that. Stay safe.